Right, guys, we've got Chris Michaels on the show. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Hi, mate. So, who is Chris Michaels? Tell us. Good question. Some days I question that myself. <laughs> I'd say it was a bit of an enigma. I suppose at best of times that could be described as. Um, essentially, you could say veteran, author. I suppose I've got that many different ways to look at myself. I suppose I change on a daily basis. Um, I mean, the breakdown is, yes, I did spend just under three years in the Royal Navy. Um, around three years I did um, as air engineer mechanic. Uh, so really, that was the beginning of my journey, I suppose. Um and then I suppose it was a long uphill battle mental health. There's some days now I still struggle with it. Um, but obviously went for a pretty bad obviously relationship for a long time. And then really I rebuilt myself. It was kind of like a Phoenix moment uh, four years ago. And basically I rebuilt myself and then built myself to what I am today, nice. I suppose. So, yeah, so I suppose it's it's a long journey, long journey. So where would you where would you say there was a point in your life? So you mentioned a bad relationship. I've just, yeah. I've just jotted down bad relationship. So if you don't mind, I mean, are you able to discuss that relationship and the impact well, it had? On you? What was the situation well, basic, to, to begin well, basically, with? Yeah, it was basically uh, obviously started having a relationship with someone obviously around the time obviously before I left the, the military. Um, and basically, as it goes, yeah, well. My head really was, you know, I was always in a pretty, when I found out that obviously we'll have to rewind in a sense, because basically where it all came to heads was I obviously had joined up as an engineer mechanic. I then um, decided to obviously go down that route. But about a year and a half after doing it, just having a chat with one of the chief pit officers who was ready to leave at the time. He was coming up to do his 22 years. Um, basically, I asked him one day, we were in the hangar and I was like, oh, what are you up to? kind of just having a bit of uh, chit-chat. Uh, and he said, I'm doing a, a course. And I was like, oh, of course you've got to do it. He says, oh, it's a fully aircraft license. And I was like, all right. Well, why you've got to do that for? Basically, the, the qualifications you earn in the military, in the Navy, they, don't, uh, they can't, well, not accepted outside. So it's basically you've got to have, like, you've got to have a civilian aircraft license, potentially to work on aircraft outside the military. So nothing really stood for it. But long story short, basically I decided to make a route. So I decided to go down the clearance diver route or Royal Marine Commando route. For Royal Marine, I would have to leave the military and then obviously get um, and then restart and go back through the Royal Marine route. Basically, I thought, let's try the uh, the diver. So I went down there, bit of training as time goes by. It was improving my training. Basically, I uh, broke bones in my knee, in my right knee and tore ligaments. So basically, that was the end of my career, in a sense, for what I wanted to do. Now, I started going downhill after that. It was turned into, at first, it was kind of, felt that very claustrophobic feeling. It felt like horrible, um, very anxious at times. I'd wake up and I'd feel like I was trapped in constantly. Like It was very, it's a horrible time. Um, but basically, I was, I could see myself slipping down this slope, essentially, because it was like it was a no, it was a, a situation where all I could do was just keep going in, down the route that I was going because I was blocked basically. Um, the Navy basically wouldn't give us any help. Um, I did approach them even three months after having X-rays. 
Um, I saw a lot of the damage. I was told him in from day one that there's damage in there and it would need to be like operated on. Um, so basically, that was where I start, things started falling apart in a sense. But then, like I said, I did get with someone. Um, and as you, you know, as everybody knows, new relationships, you know, you start off, even though, to be honest, I wasn't in the right headspace even then, like to really be with someone. Um, but I did. And, you know, and, and I suppose it was like my own foolish thing. I, there was a, I mean, my gut feeling was telling us, don't do it. But in the other part of it, I was kind of like going down that slippery slope. Now, you know, it was, it was time where I should, looking back now, hindsight is a beautiful thing because I know I should have never gone down that route. But really it was like relationship went on, but then basically things were like, were never really good um, all the way through. Um, essentially it's like, the only thing I can do it is what I've been, I was cheated on. And this completely messed with my head in one sense. Because to me, I look at it and say, if you're in a relationship with someone and it's not good, it's either make or break. You, you either stay with somebody or you break it. And to me, that's something I wouldn't do. Never done it. And, you know, and I think, you know, I mean, I'll be, put my hand up. I mean, I've done a lot of things I'm, yeah, I'm not really proud of, you know, and I live with that. But on the other side of it, it's like, you know, that was essentially, I knew it was going on. I knew it was happening. But I never really accepted it. it. Was a part of it because I didn't realize how how far down that slope I was continuously sliding. It was basically I use the expression down the rabbit hole. Mental health is something that you you've got you've got to basically get you know, manage it, start managing it, start recognizing, start accepting that it's happening. Or you, this is where you will keep falling down and falling down that rabbit hole, and it won't stop. So when you know, did and, you sort of recognize that? Um, do you know what? There's a there's a problem in you need to deal with it you need to act on it well to be honest it's like i'd always could see there was a problem and people the thing was so basically like when there was a going back to it there was a uh, we've been in the military you had you sign a contract now the contract itself is basically for what i did you had to do four and a half years now i couldn't basically break it but you know, it was a case of like, oh, well, you're unwell, you just leave. They basically turned around and went, okay, you, you know, you've got a choice. You either come back and basically, if things are that bad, we'll put you under our care. Um, but it was basically, I was digging me, me hills in and I was like, I'm not, I can't go back in that environment. I can't. Yes, the person I was with at the time did help us, you know, but saying that you know i suppose it's like i always i'm pretty headstrong but i suppose i just let things just completely slide away i it was there was a part of us that was like i wanted to accept it was going on but then a part i didn't want to accept it i could see things just completely it was, it was, it was like the whole thing i was smiling on the outside but i was completely breaking it up inside just a facade on the outside so showing yeah people. yeah basically i was like yeah yeah good 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 and then inside i was breaking down it was like the nights i'd wake up and i felt you know i, I was having like basically panic attacks even back then and i was like 
it was soul destroying because I'd, I'd basically lost the. I knew it was either staying where I was and basically have a complete breakdown or leave. And yes, I'd probably have a breakdown, but it was like I was out that environment. It was like I was. I couldn't really look people in the eyes anymore. Yeah, because I felt I'd let people. The environment. Yeah, I thought I'd let all the lads down. You know, we're ready to go on deployment to the Gulf six months, and you know, this is probably the first time I've really spoke about it. In a sense, I've wrote about it, and it's in my books. In a very light, lightly covered, but to be honest, more in depth. This is it. This is where I suppose the story is. It's time where you open your mouth and you think, look, this is it. Think that relationship was never a good one from day one. It should never have gone ahead, and I know that. How long were you, you know, in that relationship for? 16 years. Wow. So what are we talking, 90s going into the 2000s? Yeah, it was 99. Obviously about, so I joined the military in 99, so just like going on uh, late 2000. Now that relationship went on, you know, 15 and a half years too long. Right. You know, kind of thing. But, you know, and I suppose I did, if I had recognised my own mental health at the time, I suppose then it would never have gone that far like you say though hindsight hindsight yeah yeah i mean it's probably one of the best things in life exactly i suppose it was a massive learning curve you know massive learning time in the school of a relationship really that was a long time to learn yeah it was it was like basically it was bad i don't obviously don't want to go i suppose i don't really want to it still gets us now. It's still, I mean, when I, obviously when I just made the decision, it was make or break and I broke it. I suppose I spent a long time like getting angry. I had a lot of angriness. What emotions and, like, did you feel? Yeah. So when you, when you maybe recognized and then obviously then you continued, but then when you actually made that decision in your own head, what sort of things were going through your head then? And sort of how did you deal with those emotions? I used working out. As it was training, lots of like, yeah, training and that yeah. and exercise. But I would do brutal exercises. I would do, you know, I would work out until I had nothing left, you know, inside. I would just keep working out, press ups, sit ups, boxing, you know, continuous like high intensity, you know, workouts. It was, it was like I would beast myself literally until I had nothing left inside. It was almost as though like I had this, you know, this fire inside that I needed to like extinguish, but the only way to do it was to keep working. I suppose it was like my way of like releasing it. I suppose I had a lot of like I had a lot of anger. I always, I always see what it was is I suffered for a long time with anger. I could never really control it. It's only really been in the last probably. I was very. I've always kind of. I suppose that's what I say. I'm a Nick, but I always struggled with like anger to a point. I'm very laid back. And always was, but there's times where it, do, where it was, uh, even then it was like starting to really flare. And I think it was because, you know, I was annoyed. I was annoyed. And that was like, so you, you know, when you get annoyed with something and you just griping, you know, you think, right, just, I'm, I'm, you know, really something is really griping at you. And, and that's what I felt. I felt annoyed. I felt angry. Just waiting you to know? pull the pin, basically. Yeah, it was. It was like that. I was a ticking time bomb. I was literally, I was, I, and I knew those emotions inside myself and I knew that, I was one of people because I'm I'm one of people. I'll I'm loyal. I'll give you 100. percent You know, I don't like at the end of the day. I'll I'm one of people. I'll carry you through hell on my back if it means that get you gets you to the other side. I'm, you know, same as my mates. I I felt that was the thing. I like now. This is something that I, I mean, if I could tap on this, this is something that I've learned to 
And I did actually say, there was one of the lads that I obviously know on Instagram, who obviously saw his PTSD quite badly, and he put posts out there. And, and it was obviously about Afghan. And my belief is what I've come to recognise it as being. Now, this might be, this is my own personal thought. Now, with myself, I feel a lot of, to do with PTSD is you, you, feel, you look down at yourself. You're not worthy. You label yourself, yeah. Yeah, you lay you self-label yourself. You you kind of begin to hate yourself because you because you went from being that this person who was like almost titanium, bulletproof, like this mindset of like you are you can go and do anything, you can achieve anything, to being you yeah, you, you can't even wake up in the middle of the night without having panic attacks and you know, you feel useless and worthless and that and I think that's my per, personal opinion is that's the root of PTSD with a lot of veterans. They've they've and it's not essentially combat, they they I call it like the world's biggest adrenaline junkies. It's missing something in their life and they've almost Yeah, yeah. It's it's like that they is from, their life and that's who yeah. they are when actually they are them. They are themselves yeah. and they are everything they were there was something before that and they're continuously going to be that person but almost lost in that emotion of adrenaline yeah because I, I i mean i agree with people say that you lose this identity because you are either like royal marine royal navy you know air force army you know you you it doesn't make a difference what you cap badge you know you wore a bearer you wore it was all one big brotherhood and it, you know and you did it and everyone's there to do a job and to be honest it's like I'm very old school. Like obviously, the, any everything that I served on is all gone now. Um, like it's it's not even in service. I mean, they were just bringing in Merlin at the time I was going on like deployments. Um, so I'm very old school in a sense. But the thing I say that it's the mentality. Everybody had a job doing it. All, all did it very well, and that was not just the men; it was the women as well. I mean, I, I'm proud to say that obviously some of the lot I served alongside some absolutely you know amazing people females were just as good as blokes they put 110 percent in you know so what was your time like after you left the navy so what what year did you this leave was the navy the, well i was medically discharged as of 2002 i got me discharged through and that was the april because essentially what happened is i didn't really i didn't stand because you have to go through something called the captain's table which you you, you attend you read out all your obviously your service record, everything. I, I didn't attend. I basically signed. I signed a waiver. I signed all my medical rights away and pension. Right. Okay. Yeah. Basically, for me not attending, I signed them around. I was told basically, if you don't, if you're not to attend this, you are legally you sign your rights away. And I went, yeah. What? Because what I, made you make you know, that decision. Pardon? What made you make that decision to sign your rights away? I, because I knew that I physically couldn't stand there in front of it. I knew I, I couldn't go back in that environment. Mm. There was something eating us away. And I was like, and do you know what it is? It's, I feel now it was guilt. It was guilt. That was what was really like eating us away. It was, I felt guilty. I mean, I felt for a long time. I, I mean, I have reconnected with, with a couple of lads that obviously I served with now, obviously through my social media. But I felt guilty. I felt so much guilt. I, could, I was literally, I was supposed to be going on deployments. And, you know, and that was what I felt like the lads down, felt everybody down. It was like that guilt. And plus on the other side is I was, I felt like, you could almost call it a loss of identity, but I felt like I was, I, it was like, yeah, I had just been stabbed in half. 
you know, and shook around a bit, yeah, yeah. like a glow stick, you know, it's, it's like, it's, that's why I believe that myself, it's almost like that, what you, what people say is when you, a lot of lads who are suffering, especially over the last 20 years, a lot of them is because they feel that, that as though they've just been stripped of everything. The identity, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, not just the identity, I think it's a whole, going from that, a lot of them, especially kinetic, like tours, back especially helmand and when we really ramped up operations it was not as much as the beginning it was more or less as the time it was getting bloodier out there especially afghan i've spoken to obviously both afghan and iraq veterans uh some good friends of mine and like you know and people who did say that it wasn't as much it was it, it was afghan when it was got, getting really bloody out there and it was that was when we started doing more operations obviously in the south helmand and things started getting really intense. And I think it was when, when people, that was when people were saying it was almost like an adrenaline rush. And I think a lot of it was once you take that out of a person's life, that's when they kind of feel it. And I think was it when you're stripped of everything and you look at yourself and you can look at the medals, you can look at the, I mean, obviously I would, I never obviously earned any medals because I, because a lot of my time is spelt land-based. It was down at Cornwall. Um, I was just ready to basically go on deployments on ship-based at that point, purely because of the route that I'd taken. Um, but I am look at it as like, now I stand there. Because see, that was the other part. I didn't, couldn't relate to anyone. I I left the military and for a long time, I, I kept quiet about the military. So I guess that you left just before sort of it all started to kick off as well. Yeah, so yeah. I left. I literally left. I due to go on operations of the Gulf in June of two thousand one. Twin Towers got hit, obviously September two thousand one. So you've got to think that time period. That's when the world changed. At that time, it was really just Gulf trip, like Gulf uh, like um, patrols in the Gulf and Bosnia. Bosnia was obviously kicking off. Uh, we're getting through training, we were told if you, you know, a few of the instructors won't be here, they've gone off to do, obviously uh, go over there. Um, so really things were just those two theatre of operations um, at that point. And obviously nobody knew what was going to happen. I mean, I suppose when I look at it in hindsight, I mean, and that was the other thing as well. I wanted to be in the fight. I think that's why I wanted to like, transfer as well to go Royal Marines. I wanted to go frontline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, a lot of people think that, yeah, it wasn't as much, it was something that I wanted to prove something to myself, that I could do it. You know, it was that mental thing. I'd, I'd gone through all training, I'd gone through everything, and I loved the, the the physical training especially, you know. And then when you go through those levels of like, right, I wanted, I want more, I want more. I was, I, I was, I was pure, proper adrenaline junkie anyway, and I wanted more. I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to jump out of helicopters, not fix them, you know. So where? That, so if that, we go yeah. back, so yeah. before you joined the Navy, so what was your, so how old were you when you joined the Navy and what was your childhood like? Ooh, so before that, what, what were the streets was, like when you were growing up? It was great. It was it's eventually, it was a really quiet area anyway. And it was part like town, rural as well. But it was a, because obviously I grew up in the South and that, and obviously, before I joined, like, moved north, because a lot of people get confused with that one. Um, but it was, you know, it, it was great. But also, like, that was the other part as well. I mean, obviously, when I've, I've just done that, obviously, latest one, latest blog I've done. But I felt like that's what, I've, on that one, I felt like a, a lot of times I was an outcast. I didn't fit in. I was like the, uh, I was like the adrenaline junkie kid. 
I was doing deaf slides like as a, as a kid. I would go on skateboarding, skateboarding, anything that was adrenaline based. Fearless by the sounds. Yeah, of it. I was. I was like literally like even. I think I might have been around ten years, ten years old, and I wanted to go on deaf slides. I'd get me on there. You know, I would go on like water slides were forty foot. Like the deaf slides are forty foot high. I wouldn't just keep doing it. I'd get back up and I wonder if I'm going to do it again. I was pure adrenaline junkie. I loved all that. I'd, like, uh, I'd do anything where it was adrenaline. I've, I mean, I obviously I've done a lot of outdoor activities, kayaking. Um, I've done like obviously um, abseiling, rock climbing. I mean, I've done scuba diving, skydiving. I've, yeah, and I was this like pure adrenaline junkie. So I just how old were you when you yeah. joined the navy? So I was like twenty. Um, because I, what it was is I had. I applied when I was about six, I think 16, 17 to go. Actually, it was marine engineer mechanic because I was more ship based. Because um, I thought, well, that's quite a good career, I suppose. Like that side, so it's more diesel engines. Um, but like, obviously, I, I didn't meet the grade. That was the that was the thing. I didn't meet the grade for being a marine engineer, but I met the grade to become an air engineer. But uh, you know, I suppose that's right. Great, you know, because I I was obviously always giving me options. It was either obviously infantry. A lot of my mates went infantry route, which went on, obviously went on to um, serve Bosnia in the bad days um, uh, in the early well, early mid nineties. Um, some very brutal days then for the lads who I mean even lads I saw in even lads back in them days when they came back I saw that thousand yard stare in their eyes. I mean, even when I would turn up at the pub and they'd been obviously out in Bosnia and I said, oh, Emma, how are you doing? And he's like, oh, good, good. Do you want a drink? And he's like, you could see the, the, the just blank, blankness in the eyes, you know? And I think that's what it was as well. I recognise it. That was my own mate so I went to school with. You saw a total different person that became the world's best alcoholics, essentially, you know? So then what made you go down the Navy route? And not infantry. Well, uh, the other well yeah, it, it's a good question, really, because I mean, I always have my options, but you know, when you have all these, like, you've got three, four options, and you're like, which one do I which go one, down? Yeah. And I looked, yeah, and I was like, well, I could go down this way. And I was always toying around with all the different areas, and you know, when I'm looking back, and once again, hindsight, I would have probably gone down. I sh- I, my choice is, yeah, kind of, you've got door number one, number two, number three, kind of thing, and I think I, looking back, I should have just gone for the Royal Marine Commandos and earned that green lid. You know, I'd done the ultimate challenge, you know, what, well, to, you know, a lot of people say, always say it's either parachute regiment or Royal Marines. But it's, to me, it's like, I joined the Navy as well because I looked at a career-based, I looked at long-term. You see, because a lot of you people had joined. as well. Just yeah. Get some skills I thought, in you. I, exactly, because see, what it was, was originally I was going to go as, as a clearance diver. Now, I was under the impression that you couldn't join directly. See, because at one point, clearance diver, was a side branch so it was separate it's like pti's you couldn't join as a pti or as a um as a clearance diver you had to join as a different as a branch a lot of them was the aw lads so it's above warfare um a lot of them went down that route and then or marine engineer and then like diver or pti um so it was kind of like it was the those branches were like specialized and you couldn't get them as a direct access now i didn't realize that they changed the rules the year i joined as well so it's kind of like when I applied, I thought, oh, well, I'll just go down. What's the best route? So I looked at all the different options and I thought engineering, helicopters, aircraft, that's quite a good area. You know, it's good industry. Um, so I was looking more long term. Um, so it's more like that's the route I wanted to go down was that area. Um, 
But like I said, hindsight, I suppose if you give us a choice again, I would have probably gone and gone and got me Greenbury. So that was how much, though, isn't it? I mean, at the yeah, time, I mean, exactly. if you had joined, I don't know, 2004 or five, action was kicking off and it was everywhere, you probably, I don't know, maybe would have gone straight in. Exactly. To the exactly. infantry. Like when my brother joined um, about three years ago, he wanted to go infantry and I just gave him some advice and said, look, get a skill, get a trade. Yeah. There's nothing going yeah. on at the minute. Once you're in, you can always transfer somewhere. Just go yeah. in there and get a trade. So he's joined the RLC. He's yeah. only, I mean, he's, he only joined when he was 17. So as a kid, I thought, right, just go and get a trade and build yourself up at that age as well and exactly. earn, earn your exactly. way somewhere. But um, I guess, if, like you said, hindsight, I mean, if something kicks yeah. off in the next couple of years, he's in and he can move around. But it's yeah. one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because I think that's what a lot of people forget. Because, see, when you leave, you've got in there, you've got a choice of like 22 years and further for a lot of them. Because, I mean, the, my chief petty officer, and if I was, le- uh, I was when I was there, he was my boss and he actually was served in the Falklands. He'd actually was doing, 20, he was coming up about 20, right. 20 odd years, further than 22. He'd literally signed on for another year. And he actually, we were in the, his office on Ark Royal, uh, when he was still in refit at this point. I remember sitting there, and he was an absolutely amazing guy, like Frank Hutchinson. And he was one of these guys that literally has been there, done it, got the T-shirt, you know. He was the guy that was a funny, like, dick. Because I'd go off these, like, kind of random ones. Because he was remember telling us this, he... he it was actually on, it was either Invincible at the time, HMS Invincible during the Falklands War. And he was going for a shower. And then the next thing you know, all these alarms are going off. And he's like, and like, he was must have been in the shower at the time. And he came out and he was like, had his towel wrapped over like over his shoulder, towel round his waist. And all these lads are down. And they literally, like, he's going, what's going on? And it's like, it was a, actually, it was a bomber, like a bomb warning that was inc- incoming aircraft. And he literally just stepped out of a shower. <laughs> And he's like, you yeah, know, sure. he's telling all these stories. Yeah, and, he, and you know, when you're talking, these are proper old school sailors, you know. And and I think that's what it is when you, you get chatting with these people and you can see it in them how much they, they've got that love there, you know. But these guys, like, like I said, he was my my boss at the time and he, he was coming up to 20-odd years, you know, longer than 22 years. And he actually signed his um, notice the day that I was standing in his office and he was like, boss, have you got one of the, like, the leavers forms? And I was like, yeah. And he said, oh, and he went, goes, well, no, and he came back because he thought it was for one of the lads. And he sat down and he scribbled his name on him and like, handed me notice and has him now. And did, yeah, and, it, and he'd done 20, like 20, I think it was about 24, 25 years at this point, you know. And I think that's what it is. It's like you've got to, but everybody you speak to, they've, they, they would say that. I think a lot of it is that wisdom of always look at someone that is long term. Career. What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah, after that twenty odd years, you know, you've got to think you're you've been looked after for twenty odd years. A lot of them see that was what a lot. I know a lot of like people that I like mates and all that that I speak to who say that before you leave the military, they 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 say this all this uh, now is the message is getting it out there. Prepare at least like as you know, like obviously Ben from um, HR four K, how yeah, he yeah. set everything up, like you know before he was even due to leave and now that's wisdom for you you know so you're going out at... to something and you're not going out to sort of now what almost scenario yeah. exactly because i know a lot of lads when they were left in, especially infantry all i had was literally they could just do security a lot of them were just all gone back on the circuit like i had friends who did the full time and were just literally leaving and and then just continuous like 
back, you know, circuit work, contracts. That's what they, you know, and, and I think that's what it is as well. It's like always look what, look, uh, if you want to do a career, there's always a career after you leave the military. You've got to think this is 22 years of your life. What is after? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after the military and the relationship, so let's go last yeah. four or five years. I mean, yeah. you recognized that there's an issue and you want to deal with yeah. it. How have you dealt with it? How are you Writing. dealing with it as well? I guess it's a bit of both. I mean, it's continuous. It's not just dealing with it and moving on, closing the chapter, but it's yeah. a continuous bit, sort of issue for all, all of us, all of us, especially blokes and women, I guess. But um, we're just continuously learning. But how how are you? How did you deal with it? And how are you still dealing with it? And it was a long road. Yeah, I'll be honest. It's about accepting it accepting there's an issue see this is what i struggled with at the beginning i recognized something there but i wouldn't accept it it was like it was like i kept pushing it back thinking no 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 you don't fight it that's what i would say see that's another thing that's what causes more frustration more anger more you know the the bad like i call it like when when i knew enough was enough and i knew it was make or break and i made that decision and i took that decision were you scared of accepting yeah. it when you used to think about it? Were you almost sort of, like you said, pushing it aside? But were you thinking, yeah. Fuck, yeah. I don't want to accept this? Did we? Yeah. Can you actually remember consciously saying, just, just leave it, just move it. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I kind of put it in one place. I put it like to one side, and it was like that. It was like a pressure cooker. I call it like the pressure cooker effect. So you put, or you think of a pressure cooker, and you put all these vegetables and all these ingredients in the pressure cooker. Now that pressure cooker has to have the escape valve. Exactly. It has yeah. to have something where it lets the steam out. Essentially, every anything that has pressure in has has that release valve. Now, with like it's the same as ourselves, we need that release valve. Now, I didn't have that. You see, I didn't or recognize I had that. See, all these things I've learned from from the rock bottom. So I took myself. I look at myself as like almost like that phoenix effect. So I've got obviously a big phoenix on my arm because I saw myself as. So I'd, I'd start from day one again. If there's anywhere to forcefully learn about yourself, it is rock bottom, yeah. haven't you? I mean, exactly. <laughs> where else? I mean, you can't other than that, I mean, if you go past that, you're, you're not around. Um, and I've been there, you've been there, and yeah. you you either keep going until there is no turning back, um, or when you realise you don't want to turn, you want to turn back, you've actually gone so far and you can't. I mean, my brother went so far down the rock bottom avenue um his liver just got past a point and it there was no coming back even though he as yeah. a person wanted to come back so sometimes yeah. you can go too far and you've taken it too far but when you when you realize and it not realizing but when you accept it and you're committed to getting yourself back up you, yeah. you fucking push yourself to actually learn you you put in the hours and you do what whatever it takes um so you did that, you recognised it, you accepted it. Then what? What was your next step from that? Well, it was always rocky. It was always like, it was, you'll probably realise this, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing where you, you're always battling. It's like a battle. Constant. Always yeah. got it. it's, like, it's like being in the, like when you train for doing like kickboxing or you're in the ring, you want to just keep going back in there. It's, it's almost like going in for one more round and you feel like that's what you feel it's like mentally. You're tired, you're drained. Now, at first, I... Uh, like obviously, I knew and that and you know I like I said that's how my 
books came around, I put a lot of this into me work, into writing little stories and little ch- chapters and writing little bits and pieces. And I, and I created that first book from that, the, the Darkness Being My Friend. Now, me, that was that was me thinking, right, I want to put something into a book. I want, I've got to rebuild myself from nothing here. Now, even though I was struggling, I was kind of semi-managing it. I suppose it was a lot of his denial. That, that's the honest truth of it. Yeah. It's denial a lot of times. You kind of know it's going on and you don't, and you just put a brave face on it and just keep going. And then like, there'll be times where I, I wanted to just, just think, right, I, I need to just keep going forward. I can't, there was something in this, there was this grittiness. It was almost like that fire. There was a little spark and it just kept building and had, and I, I knew that the fire wasn't out. Um, I don't quit. That's another thing you see. I think that's another route my, where my problems came in. Now, I didn't realize I had PTSD. It took me nearly ten, what, eight, nearly 10 years to fight, get recognized as having it and diagnosed as having it. What you was, see? What was the support structure like around you at the time? Your friends, family? I mean, were you seeing, were you seeking professional help? What was the support structure like? Basically, like I yes, I had people who went was with the medicals, but to, on the top of that, I kept quiet. I didn't really talk about it. Really, so I you was, were just I, living, I, yeah. sort of. I'm not going to say living a lie, but living sort of with a mask. Yeah, constantly, constantly, it was constant, like living behind this mask, and I didn't. And half the time, I didn't talk to people. I just didn't, I couldn't, like I said, well, I couldn't really relate to people. And I felt that actually the person who I did for, and bless him, he's, he's gone now. He died when he was 88 because I, I obviously got to know him. And it was a World War II veteran. Um, and he actually was there on D-Day too. And me and him would talk for hours. And and I felt that connectivity with him. Right. Anybody else, I couldn't. It was, it was, a, it was almost like you recognize it. And I think that's another thing a lot of veterans struggle with is they can't relate to people. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's not a, it's not bad, it's not good either. And I think myself, I never really could relate to people, and I, and it felt I felt hard to talk to people for a long time. And I kind of put myself in that little box half the time, you know. It's so and easy I, to do that though, just to get yeah, lost you can, in your own. Just, exactly, exactly. Not it's not even. Sort of realizing there are other people out there but again can't relate to other people or you for me it was almost nobody could relate to me so it was the other way around yeah. I, I didn't think they could relate to me so i thought fob them off um yeah, you kind of put yourself in that you kind of put yourself in that box don't you you kind of think i'm in this box and then shut the lid yeah it's that kind exactly. of mentality yeah it's almost sort of fear of getting getting more hurt but also hurting others but also that relatable sort of feeling that others wouldn't have or you wouldn't have with others and i mean we're in isolation at the minute but even then it's almost like isolating yourself yeah yeah well exactly that i think that's what it is you can almost like you you know yourself i mean did you ever feel like the days that some days you just want to shut a door and then others that you just want to be closed off in the world you didn't want any communication. You didn't want to be around people. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, go to work. It was almost where it'd be a different person. As soon as I left, it was go, right, I'll go to work. Somebody else come back, and once I'm out of that work door, nobody. Else, it was almost I'm back into me. Didn't want yeah. to talk to anybody. Didn't want to talk to my mom, 
brother, dad, stepdad, grand, nobody, didn't want to deal with anybody. And I would just, I would probably, I would stop calling people. I wouldn't even accept going out with mates. Uh, they'd say, oh, come here and let's do this, let's do that. I'd be like, no, there's probably one friend who I would just go around walks in the area, sort of where we'd yeah. live. But I know it was a safe environment because it was just me and him. And nobody had yeah. to see that I was in a fucking mood. I was angry yeah. and I didn't quite know how I how I was feeling like if somebody asked me are you alright I was like yeah or I don't know but then I couldn't go any further because I didn't quite know what was going on and yeah, this, was sort of be- yeah. this was before sort of my mum and brother passed away so I mean there's a lot yeah. prior to that but I had no idea and there was only that one friend who was for me it was because we'd grew up together and we'd gone through so much together and he had been there through sort of challenging times with me and we'd gone got through so many sort of brawls and it was almost like he was that that sort of like person like Hollywood with me it. yeah and it was yeah. like if I, me and him were together we were just untouchable so it was like yeah. I could just be with him we'd walk around smoke a bit of pot and I didn't have to talk and he understood he did, it was almost like nothing even had to be agreed between me or him yeah. or between the both of us and it was just we could just carry on and he didn't even need to say, are you okay? Or I didn't even have to tell him I don't want to talk. Or he wouldn't even ask you me. Just knew. We you were just, just knew with each other. Level. We'd just yeah. roll a joint, joints, I'm going to say. <laughs> and yeah. um, we'd just walk. And yeah. just sometimes, yeah, once you're a bit high, I'd have a bit of a laugh. But I remember after my brother died, um, about six, eight months after. Yeah. I mean, there was a two-week period. But I don't think I spoke to him. Yeah. But I met him every day and we were out yeah. every day walking around but I didn't even speak think, to him I mean do you think that's that because I found I, I didn't have that you see I like I said I've more connected with people who are like that like I said I've, I'm talking an 88 year old war veteran yeah you know I was more on a connectivity of level that of that person I couldn't relate to people on my own age you know range and it was it was hard it was a, it was almost like you become a second person it was like you and that's not it, it's like you can kind of switch off from who you're meant to be and you just play this part. No, and you're it's right. like when, you're right. when people say that, they say, Oh, how are you? And the automatic go to responses, Yeah, I'm good. When you're not. How many Yeah, and you just you kinda of, you're kind of fobbing it off every time. And I think a lot of times I think on that level, like I say, I mean, it took all these years for me to be diagnosed. And I remember sitting there and the doctors went, You my best belief is you've got post traumatic stress disorder and I was like, But I can't. I denied it even then. I said to the doctor, I can't. I said, I always thought that was for frontline serving like soldiers because, you know, the, the things, and they went, no, it can affect anyone. Absolutely. It can be car crash, rape victims, domestic violence. You know, it's so many, it is, break down the word, post-traumatic stress disorder. So it can affect anyone, firefighters, everybody. And I never even really saw this broad spectrum in front of us. I just heard a lot of st- obviously backstories of lads going back from Afghanistan and Iraq, and then this this word would come around. I mean, even in two thousand, they never the British government never they, they never accepted it. It wasn't a thing. They never they never officially recognised it until lads started coming back. And they went ah, even for even those like last fifteen years, they, they, it's only been in the last few years that they've actually recognised it and they accepted that it is official. And people because people. A lot of times, all I heard is you, that was that mentality of just just shrug it off. It, oh, you'll be fine. How many times did I hear that in the few, few months that I was on sick leave? You'll be fine. Just get back on board. You'll be good. You know, have a drink. You know, and have it, a it drink, was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it was almost like just brush it off. You'll be fine. You know, and then I was like, no, 
I'm not fine. I'm quite stubborn in that sense that like when I'd say no, it's like, no, no, I don't, you know, and I'll go at it and it's like, no. And I knew in my head that there wasn't something right with us. And, and I was, even though like I, I believe this, my belief in it, because I, I'm, I score about 32 points below high on the autism scale on the spectrum. And I believe I, uh, I've always had ADHD as well. Because I was put down as hyperactive as a child. Do you remember then kids were always oh, just hyperactive? Just labeled. Stuff yeah. like that. Labeled, slap this label on, don't give them E numbers, you know, or they bounce off the walls. I was the hyperactive kid that was like Sonic the Hedgehog. I was like, you, you know, I'd, and that's why I was, when I'm looking back now, I believe that I possibly did have it, and I still kind of do, that ADHD was always there, but they didn't recognize it because you remember back in the 80s, you know, it was a different world, you know, growing up in those days. And and I think, you know, when you look about, when you look at it, when you're given a, like a title, it's hard to accept. And then, and the doctor was like, no, no. And actually I went through therapy and it was, I was, and I'll be honest, I've been very, very fortunate with the therapist because they put us through CBT, it did nothing for me. I was like, I'm not going to sit there and colouring, you know, colouring paint by numbers and jigsaws it's going to do nothing for me what what's wrong with us and it was only until i spoke to a therapist and just and she said right and she actually went took dedicate the time to go and find out what ptsd was how it affects you and then she sat down and broke it down for us and it was only till then i actually got so it's all about education see this is the thing you there needs to be real education out there and that's what i've always strived to do to try and say, look, this is what it is. If I've learned something and, and and I'm saying that this is by, you know, if it's World Health Organization, whatever the way it comes from, the reference it comes from, or the data comes from, that this is what's said. You know, this is educate yourself. It helps not just yourself, but other people around you. Yeah, even if it is, I mean, it's not even on the scale of helping social media. I mean, obviously we do stuff like that, but to help yeah. yourself help you exactly. your loved ones um and that's how you're gonna get better because sometimes it if you know what's going on in that self-awareness you can probably capture it a bit, yeah. a bit sooner before you actually spiral out of control i mean if i had known what i know now going in into my teens and early 20s maybe i wouldn't have gone through any of that or these no. feelings or maybe i would have dealt with it differently but luckily for me from the age of 16 i understood and realized you know what i have got an issue and i need to ask for help so i guess i'm in a different state where at 16 i asked for help and asked the gp for help and started to see a, a counselor at the time they used to call him from probably still yeah. do but then continued and a lot of people sometimes don't ask for help because i sometimes you've got to see a lot of pain and feel a lot of pain and trauma to ask for help and i'd just seen even at that age, just way too much, and I'd felt way too much to even fucking want to want to continue without getting help. And I guess for some people, you need to actually feel so much pain, and when you ask for help, you know you're at a point where enough is enough, and you're committed to getting better. When I say getting better, not yeah. that there's something wrong, as in mm. not better, but you just want to improve, and you want to better your life, and just live in fulfillment, and without getting help sometimes, you can't, and you need that you need both inner and external peace. Exactly, exactly. I think that's what it is. It's it's like people use, and and I don't I don't like the term demon, 
I don't no. like the term demon uh, because I think myself, it's like that's almost indicating like like there's something bad there. Bad. Again, but, it's but, that exaggerated language and that emotional, exactly. emotionally charged words people can use. I mean, I still use them, but I'm, I'm aware. Mm. I try not to, but it happens. But yeah, demon. Yeah. I mean, imagine. I mean, you're saying demon. Just put. Imagine a demon in your head now. As yeah. in now, just imagine what a demon is. It's it's fucking bad, isn't it? it it's, I think what it is, it, it's almost like it's like because I kind of looked at this when I was obviously researching and when I was doing Chasing Demon book, it was it was like it's like that addictions. It's like this demon. People you coin or paint pictures of different scenarios, but I think the language that you use, I think you've got to be a, you've got to be honest, brutally honest. But on the other side, it's a bit like saying the devil. If you use words like demon, devil, things like that, got to think of it. Like, let's look at it from a realistic, like holistic point of view here. Now, essentially to me, I look at it as that's painting someone as being that's a bad person or if that's a bad area there. Now, what it is, it to me, when we look at, oh, I use the word like the devil, the devil, who was the devil? Is that just something that's, or it's demon? Is this just something that's bad? Because when you look at it, it was just an angel that fell from grace, essentially. So when you turn it around like that, these thoughts or bad thoughts or unwanted thoughts or, you know, these bad, these bad things that we're eating, are there, and then you turn them as being demons. I think myself, when people should look at it, is, it's almost like, right, this is what I did. This is, and it's personal acceptance as well. People, you throw these words out. I think it's what it is, is you'll, you'll label someone or categorize something. To me, it's like, look, this is what the issue is. Now, there was a guy you know, who actually did, who came out and actually used that word, what are your demons, you know? Now, it's like, really, it's like, it's fact. What is the issue? But it's also acceptance. You, you know, I never, like to me, I knew there was something wrong with us. And I've kind of coined that term in a sense. You use that word, "oh, you demons," or you know this or that. But it's essentially you've got to, you've got to find that as like, look, you'll have this come through your life. You'll have points in your life where you've got to identify someone and think, right, this isn't good. But you've got to accept it first. It's all about acceptance. And I think that's what it is. People use that, like you say yourself, to use that word to demon. But it's really what is a demon? Is it just you know bad thought, good thought? Is it really just let's just cut let's just cut the crap basically, and just say look, this is what it is. Save this is what, what I feel. Yeah. yeah, keep it real. Just mm. cut the crap. Stop using like, words of this and that. Look, you're going through a crap time. Yeah, you feel like this. This is what you feel like. Explain the symptoms or the signs of it, rather than just giving it fancy names. That's it. You just know, knowing the the signs, the triggers as yeah. well, and sort of how you feel. Yeah, and that's and that's what it is. It's people have got to, in if people got to like realize. Now, I'll be honest. Like a lot of people, when you with mental health, you've got to break it down because there's that many different areas of mental health. Now, I didn't realize this until I obviously started learning all this. Now, other part of it is is you've got to just accept that in yourself. That's the biggest. Once you've done that, once you've kind of accepted it, that there's a problem. Yes, it is. The next step is asking for help. Now, the problem is, so especially talking about obviously men, suicides, areas like that, you, you feel weak. You feel like you don't want to talk out. You feel quite like, are you a man? <laughs> you question yourself. 
And I think that's that form of weakness now. There's no a lot of obviously military wise, a lot of people you're taught don't show weakness. Don't show it. And I'd say that's the confliction, that's the conflict people have. I think it's because they vulnerability as well. And sort yeah, of feeling yeah. vulnerable. But I don't I mean, asking for help is actually it's it's the opposite to weakness. Um, reading exactly. a book about I don't know, complex trauma is a strength. Yeah. It's not a weakness. It's you're exactly. you're vulnerable, but you've. I think everybody in life, to be in my opinion, to be successful, to manage teams, to work, to do whatever it is, needs to have a little bit of vulnerability in them. It has to happen. Yeah. And asking for help is one thing, but I think we're in now in a day and age where we've got fucking resources everywhere you can you don't even need to go to a library anymore you can you can go onto your smartphone and order a book or download an audible and read read i know or listen to the chimp paradox or read a tony robbins book or read whatever whatever it is that you need help in or assistance we're going to call it help assistance whatever it is you don't even need to ask for help If, if somebody's afraid asking for help there's resources out there but you've got to help First of all, you've got to help yourself. It's you can't force anybody, and yeah. asking for help is helping yourself 100%. But that again, that could be too daunting for some people. But there's there's things out there, there's resources out there that will help. Exactly, and I think that's what it is. You've also got to be. To me, I, I look at it as a big part of it. It's the ego. We're all got ego now. Yeah. Ego for good or ego for bad. Now, for me. That's why I look at it. It's like you've got to drop the ego. You know, at the end of the day, you can be a man and still cry. You can still be a man and still feel like, you know, stressed. You can still be a man and show emotion. You can still be a man and show empathy. It's about being like your whole self is you. You've got to be kind of like. Don't be one way. Don't just be one path because to be that's where like a lot of issues are. Just accept it. Is you, it doesn't mean you're weak because I think those emotions help. even like crying, yeah. asking for help, whatever it is. I don't think none of that defines being a man or not. So I think people no, no. just need to sort of that doesn't define you being a man. So it's just just ask for help i mean there's a book i can't remember who wrote it um, ego is the enemy i mean i'd suggest people read that but yeah it's ego is the enemy but i guess there exactly. is an, there is an aspect of ego that is a good aspect and it's not a bad thing to have but just knowing when that ego needs to be dropped because it's holding you back exactly and i think that's another thing is like emotions itself it's like people especially when i obviously when you Growing up in like the eighties and stuff, it was a whole different culture. It was like a man's a man, and you know the whole eighties thing, and you've got to be rough and tough, and you know you, you don't. And I think what it is is was this persona. It was a persona essentially. It was an actor a lot of times. It's like yes, be a, like a man, stand your own two feet, and stand by your values. But it's essentially it's your values that carry you. Absolutely. That's yeah. that's what makes you who you are. Your values. Your are you lo- your loyalty, honesty. You know, it being a bit like that's what it is respect. Everything begins and ends in respect. I think you it's know just you've got being taking the sort of the gender role or whatever it is out of it. Exactly. Just be a good human. 
be a good yeah, person. Exactly. Whether you're exactly. a man or woman. I mean, women now are allowed to join the front line. They're allowed to join SF. I mean, there's no sort of gender role anymore other than having babies. No, no. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah. you yeah, can't yeah. do anything about. Um, exactly. Exactly. Just be a good person and treat everybody how they want to be treated. Exactly, exactly. Like the old saying goes, they'd say basically, you know, treat people how you want to be treated. Essentially, everything begins and ends in respect. You can stand there in front of somebody and you may not like who they are as a person, their, their thoughts, their beliefs, but treat everybody with respect. At the end of the day, it's yeah. like, it's, it's being honest. It's like, it's just those core values, essentially. I think that's what it is. It's humanity. Now, what we've done is, I've always believed myself for a long time where things fail is because it's like greed takes over people or these other these other emotions take overtake people and they kind of this is what it that that's what they feel. But it's like in they it doesn't like you're saying yourself, it's it's there's no definition. It doesn't define you. You've got to be like this for this and this for this. And it's like, hang on a minute, it's like end of the day we're all human that's, that's essentially it. it's one love it yeah. doesn't make a day if you, you 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 know you're gay you're straight you know whatever you, you know man woman you know race culture whatever it, we are human we all you know we are literally like you know what i mean men and women all the same you know at the end of the day people have got to forget this let's stop putting labels to things stop like just slapping that label on it's a it's like kind of dehumanizing people yeah, I mean, nothing's going to stop you from one thing that could kill a man could kill or kill a woman, and we're in a prime prime time at the minute with this horrible pandemic. Exactly. It doesn't define whether you're a strong man or yeah. a strong woman. It, it, it's going for it's going for whoever it comes into contact with. So exactly. Just be a person, and until then, just live your life and be happy. But also, I mean, to give. I think for me personally to give back is the ultimate fulfillment because it serves both purposes internally and externally i.e. the other, the the people the community the people that come, you come into contact with and and just spread and scatter that happiness exactly exactly I think what it is is there was actually I don't know if you ever seen it Paul de Gelder said it his happiness he defined it by giving Exactly, he, exactly what you I just know, said, yeah, it's... And exactly that, because, like, you say yourself, I mean, because obviously I've obviously spent time around even the, like, obviously the Asian culture, and they're very, like, given and very, like, you know, it's it's such a wonderful culture, and I think myself, it's all cultures that should be on that level of, like, where we all, you know, essentially, what is that loaf of bread or that, you know, what, whatever it is, it, what does it really mean? At the end of the day, give to somebody or give... You know, be tolerant but reasonable. You know, in in that essence. But it's basic. It is share, give. Basically, you know, yeah, share, share share what you have. You know, at the end of the day, like I, I look at this, like I've explained it and I've re-explained it that many times. Like same as I, I could sit, literally sit there and think, right, I write books and I want all that profit. I'll do t-shirt design. I want all that money. But to me, it's like, does that really define me? Does that make me happy? Yeah, I did. I bought a few extra pounds in my pocket. No, I'd rather give it. I'd rather give it to people who are less fortunate. At the end of the day, I look at it as exactly that. I've got, you know, I've, I've got two arms, two legs. I can see, I can, you know, I can hear. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's like people have just got to look at it as humanity is humanity. You've got your basic you know? needs. And yeah. what more do you want? Yeah. Everything else. Exactly. It's and a it bonus. Is. You've we've probably got more than a lot of people out there. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think another thing is, though, I think that's a great quote out there. I love it. It's it's Musashi, Miyamoto Musashi. Um, it's the happiness is within. Yeah. Everything is inside you. A lot of people look externally, so you've got your like your interest which is your in you know, internal things you want it, you want, and then your extra uh, stick. It's like it's a kind of look at it's like that internal battle. That's what everybody's see, that's the problem we see. What we live in. We live in a very like greedy culture. Very sort of pretentious, I think, and yeah. Everybody... Have you noticed that? Have you noticed like social, especially obviously because we talk a lot on social media, and and have you noticed how like in, essentially every there's that competitive edge out there? Oh, yeah, I've, I've that, seen like, that. I mean, yeah, sometimes you just got to switch yeah. off and not even you just got to scroll past it because at the end of the day, it's going to happen. We can't do anything about it other than do we want that to fuel our mind and our eyes? I don't. I just 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 pass it on. Exactly. I think that's what it is. It's, you've got to look at things in that respect of like, I don't think, at the end of the day, it's like everything's material apart from humans. Everything we have other than ourselves can be taken away from us. Yeah, exactly. You could lose all, you could be like the old saying, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a rich, unhappy man or do you want to be a poor, happy man? Mm. But you can also find medium in that. You can always find that middle ground. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with aiming and achieving things and wanting. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting more. Because there are things, I guess people say money doesn't buy happiness in that. Yeah, it doesn't because happiness is within. But there's nothing wrong with wanting more money. There's nothing wrong with wanting to achieve more, wanting to go up a career ladder, wanting to do things to sort of to do other things within life that that create memories um go on holiday with your family whatever it is there's nothing wrong with that as long as you you're happy with what you have and you're not wanting that other thing at a detriment to your happiness or other people's sort of happiness or even well-being and you're not out there committing crimes because you want so much and you need all that money so you're going to go rob somebody or do you mean as long as there's that within you that you're happy with, things will. I yeah, think exactly. the universe listens, and the, if you're happy, I believe in stuff like that. If you're happy with what you've got, yeah. if you're happy internally, shit will come to you, and it might not come to you straight away. But you just gotta keep grinding away, keep doing what you're doing, keep giving, keep sharing. Yeah. Things you're naturally happy anyway. I mean, I do a live on Instagram at the minute because of what's going on, and yeah. I'm genuinely fucking high before it and even after it. I mean, I'm, I've been struggling sleeping last week because every yeah. time I come off the the live i mean i'm buzzing like just had a chat with even if there's like six people watching there's no expectation yeah. for me there'll be one person on no, there no. have a conversation with them see how they're getting on they'll say they've done this in the day and great yeah let's we'll share stuff that genuinely exactly. makes me so happy it's like i was chatting to gaz the other day duratus yeah. yeah, yeah. on the mentorship program with him and stuff and we we're just talking about sort of that that gives me a buzz don't want anything out of it there's no expectation of money followers fame whatever yeah it's just that there's people out there that you're interacting with you're like-minded and when they're saying do you know what i've done this and i've had a great day i'm genuinely sat here in my front room smiling like yeah we're winning exactly yeah and i think that's what it is essentially it's that building that community as well it's like you, you know, at the end of the day we're all on that same path you know the way i've i define life very simple i look at it as like you're born, you grow, you move on to the next life. That's Essentially, it. you've got to do the best with what you've got in the time given to you, and that's it. 
Mate, that's just, um, I'm going to say that's beautiful. <laughs> and that's a beautiful <laughs> way to end this, end the chat. Um, exactly. Listen, look, if there's, if you could, if you could spread a little bit of advice and scatter a bit, I'm going to call it wisdom. But if somebody was yeah. out there struggling to take their next step, that, yeah. that could be anything. I mean, people have sent up. Yeah. I get messages sometimes saying, oh, you say take your next step. You act like it's easy. I'm like, no, I'm not saying take your next step and run eight miles or uh, yeah. lift 55 kg or 150 kg, whatever I'm saying. Your next step, t- take your next step is taking your next step, not some other fucker's next step and put somebody yeah. else's shoes on. Take your next step. And your next step might be getting out of bed because exactly. you've been absolutely fucked for three days and you feel so down you don't want to get out of bed your next step could be getting out of bed so everybody's got their own step and that step regardless of how high it is how low it is how rocky it is it's a step and that's it it's a step in the right direction so if somebody was struggling to take their next step what what advice would you give to them well like saying that about taking a step people kind of define it in the wrong way or interpret in the wrong way i love that phrase and you know you you probably know this one yourself a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step exactly and that's what it is it's it's about take it's about making it basically being brutally honest with yourself don't lie to yourself because essentially what you want to do is you can always deny as much as you want you can deny it, deny it. be brutally honest with yourself and say look if there's a problem accept that, that this isn't good this needs to be dealt with now it doesn't make a difference who you are there is always people out there that will help you listen to you i mean i've had people message me i mean us as a community we should be there with an inbox that's open and say if people want to drop messages it's there you know at the end of the day, we're all there to support them. we're no better than anybody else i mean i do not run my Instagram account, I don't do it on followers. I don't, I don't care about that. Mm. I look at this, what's the impact? No expectation. Yeah, I, exactly. I don't, I absolutely, it's it's very, very, it's been overwhelmed over the last year. The amount of positive I've had back myself. Now, I would say to people, if you're want to make a next step, it's A, accept, like, you want to make that choice. You've got to have it internally. You've got to think, right, I need to change. Secondly, you know, do, there is that point, find your reason to succeed. Without a reason, you can't go anywhere. Yeah, purpose, 100%. You need, yeah, you need that direction. You need that reason to succeed to get, to, and then you'll find your direction. But you also need to know what is your direction? What are you, what is it you want to achieve? And that's not a hundred things. That's one. One Give yourself thing. one yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't one get to thing. the top that's of the staircase is. without taking one step. Exactly. It's... And it's like at one percent. Improve by one percent. If you can improve by one percent one day, think of what seven days can do. What fifty? You know, you know fifty-two exactly. weeks of the year can do. It... And I think that's what it is. A lot, a lot of people kind of think the scatterbrained in a way that they kind of oh well I, I should they look at it as wrongly they look at it as defining success as being a hundred things or money this amount of money this amount this type of car this type of house this type of relationship do you know what it's crap yeah it's that you one know, thing it's, repeating yeah, one itself thing. every single day yeah. and that's why the hashtag tyns365 doing it every single day yeah. that could be yeah. 
again, there's no, um, you need to do so, sort of something massive. Again, reading no. for 10 minutes could be something massive. Exactly. And that, exactly. this is Why what I'm you, saying. Yeah. It's just that little thing. Yeah. And it's, it, for me, I'm not going to say it's simple, but doing something like that, even if it's reading for 10 minutes, even if it's making that bed, even if it's eating that one clean meal, it don't have to be the yeah. same every single day, but to do yeah. one action every day, and if somebody, I guess, is in 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 that sort of dark moment or rock bottom, just do what can be controlled. There's so, there's so much shit out there that's out of your control. Yeah. Just well, like, like keep I said, it simple. Self, exactly, exactly that. Concentrate on what you can control, not what you can't. Simple. And nice. that, that, it's simple but effective things. Break it down. Take everything simple. Like, like I, I love that bit. Like the whole thing where you look at it, it's like people take it. Obviously, one of my he says it quite a lot. Like Gaze Jones, um, and he like he said it. It's like you've got to look at what are you doing to help yourself today. Yeah, I think some people what, don't what help you, themselves, yeah. but they still um, want to want to sort of have those rants and think everything's sort of not working for them and like you think you said it about five ten minutes ago you've got to be brutally yeah. honest with yourself yeah. i think being yeah. honest is one thing but sometimes you do need to debrief yourself and think do you know what you need to fucking yeah. sort you you need to you need to be harsh on yourself and i think yeah. on a post the other i think it was yesterday so what we're on friday saturday the 4th of april it's on the 3rd of april i think i posted something and um said that i had to actually look at myself at a point in my life and think this is fucking self-sabotage. I had to yeah. emotionally charge what I was saying to myself to get out of it, if you know what I mean. You, I had to yeah, I had exactly. to exaggerate it and it was a fucking it was a debrief I had to have with myself, but it helped me and and that was just for me. So it's not that you have to use these sort of this sort of language. Everything yeah. is different for everybody else. Everyone's got different bodies, different anatomy, different brain. Everything, the structure is different. Whatever works, but yeah. sometimes you do need to ramp it up. I think and stop fucking blaming everybody else and looking exactly. within yourself. And I think there's um, the book Chimp Paradox. They have about doing tasks about the core principles of yeah. of starting a task. And I think that's very similar to taking your next step in. Um, taking ownership it's one of them sort of commitment ownership responsibility and excellence and sort of commitment so being committed to that task being committed sort of that you're going to do this and fuck the motivation because motivation comes and goes but your commitment stays and it's having that exactly. ownership of do you know what yes i'm going to do that and i'm going to do this task that responsibility of having the plan in place and following that plan and having the excellence of having that goal but having a small goal saying, you know, I'm going to climb, I want to climb 10 steps, but I need to climb one step first. And when I climb one step, exactly. I'm going to pat myself on the back because you need to fucking pat yourself on the back along that yeah, journey. Exactly. Simple as that. Exactly. Mate, it's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And Definitely. I'm just looking at Definitely, the time, mate. It's, it's just flown by yeah, yeah. and this is long time coming as well. It's, um, yeah, it's something that I wanted to do for a while to get you on. So I really appreciate your time. No, it's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, I think a lot of times as well, people hear this. I mean, I've spoken about things that I've never really covered. I've kind of skimmed, kind of skimmed, as I kind of have done. Cause, but to be honest, it's, it's been the first time that I've really said a lot, especially on my backstory as well. And I think what it is, is you've got to like, like I say, I mean, I always look at it. It's like, I, I, I do it, I've done it today. I'll write 10 things down. 
10 things where I think, oh, what could I do today, tomorrow, you know, and all things that I like. But what it is, it's, it's been absolutely brilliant today talking because it gives you that, and it gives you that time to really let things out that are there. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%, mate. And it's, like I said, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, I think we're going to have to do this again because it's been now definitely. 70 minutes and I think we could probably go on for another 70, I think, if, if definitely, required. Definitely, definitely. I, th- I think we <laughs> certainly can. I think it could be a few hours. Could get ramp up Joe Rogan's time, you know. <laughs> but I think... It's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much. Definitely. No, thanks a lot, mate.